It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Opal, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Discover the all-new Opal Mocha, featuring Opal's iconic new signature visor, stunning Opal Pure Panel and a choice of petrol, diesel or fully electric. The new Opal Mocha is less normal, more Mocha. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. On the cusp of the warmest weekend of the year, welcome to Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Great to have you with us on the show this Friday afternoon. Well, Louise, there's going to be a run in them, all shapes and sizes and sorts, isn't there? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? A run on them. What do you think will be a run on this weekend? A massive run on them. Fans. (laughs) Well, that's one thing for sure. Yeah, there is. You know that already. You've been uh, checking into this. There is a run and people are looking for fans with the the massive heat on the way. But that's not what we're going to talk about. No, 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 no. We're going to talk about something else far nicer indeed. We're going to talk about ice lollies. Yes, there's going to be a run on ice pops and ice creams and cones and all that type type of stuff as well. Now we've talked to death the ice cream cones in the past but what about the ice lollies or what you get from the fridge? What's your favourite ice pop or ice cream from the fridge? At the minute. Of all time? Um, Oh of all time. Of all time. Of all time I would say the fat frog. Do they do them anymore? No. Are they gone? I think so yeah. See you can't say fat. That's the problem. Oh, yeah. That's the problem. This politically correct world we live in. You could, could call you, it frog. Do you ever hear? Do you ever hear that phrase? She's a bit stout. Do you remember that yeah. one? Could you say yeah. that today? That someone's stout. I haven't heard that in years. They could call them a stout frog now, rather than a fat frog. What do you think? Might I, get away with that. I'd say those. Fat frogs are gone long before the PC. <laughs> I bet you it's something to do with the PC. Anyway, of okay. all time, of all time, fat frog is your number one. Yeah. Do you want to know mine of all time? Go on. I can remember the ice lollies. You know the simple ice lollies. Mm. And I'm going to tell you something. When cola came out, sure, it was a revolution in them because they were orange. You know, up to that, mostly orange you'd get in them. But you know, I remember an ice lolly. I wonder does anyone remember it? A pear flavour. Do you oh, remember? Yeah, I remember a pear flavour. That was my favourite ice lolly of all time. And I wouldn't say... There was a say, name on it. Was there? Yeah. The pear lolly? Yeah. Well, it was just a simple pear ice lolly. That was my favourite. Now, today, let's come up to today. What's your favourite today, then? Um, I would say the Wibbly Wobbly Wonder. Are they still on the market? Yes. They are still yes. on the market. They're and sort of half jelly, half ice cream, is it? Yeah. And what, what flavour is the it. ice cream? Um, 
strawberry and pink flavours. banana, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I'm not mad about pink flavoured ice cream not, at all. Why? No, I just don't like pink flavoured ice cream at all. I love vanilla, but I don't like pink. So you I didn't like the freaky it. foot? No, no, <laughs> no. Did you? Loved the freaky foot. Did you? But I had a friend that wouldn't eat the freaky foot, not because of the ice cream, but she had a phobia against feet. Oh, I see. And wouldn't have them at all. Mm. I have to say of today, and it's lasted. Now, it's changed a bit, I think. I absolutely adore the loop the loop. Ah, I adore a loop the loop. I just love the combination in it. I think it's wonderful. I don't like the bit at the bottom. The yellow bit or the green bit? What's no, I at like the, bottom? the yellow one. It's the green the bit. The green at the bottom, yeah. yellow above that and the chocolate cover mm-hmm. the yellow as well. I could do without the chocolate and just have the yellow and the green. I just love it. I really do love it. Any others that tickles your fancy? There used to be one in the shape of a house years ago. It was about 10p. <laughs> But it was like kind of it was ice cream, but it was in the shape of a house with a roof. And then I, I can't remember, say it was vanilla. And then they had like strawberry mm. in the shape of two uh, windows and a door. OK, I don't remember that one. Mm. There's a there's a listener on to us. Percy Pear all That's the way from Wendy. Yeah, I knew it was something. Percy Pear. Was that the name of the, yeah. uh, the one? Folks, we're, we're talking about and we're getting nostalgic again today on Late Lunch. Ice lollies, ice creams of yesteryear. What's your favourite? Or again, come on, bring it right up to today. What do you love from the fridge today? We want to hear from you on late lunch this sweltering hot Friday afternoon. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text us now. Yeah, which which ones would you bring back as well? I yes. love I'm mint chocks. Would you bring that back? The oh. mint chalk ice is not the mint feasts because I think you can still get them. Yeah. So the mint chalk ice, is it? Mint chalk ice, yeah. I love a chalk ice, I have to say. I love a brunch. I love a brunch. Mm. Do, you, do you remember? Do you remember? Talk about your wibbly wobbly wonder. I think I can do better than you. What about the chilly willy? Oh, yeah. Do you remember the chilly willy? <laughs> they're in all all flavours, aren't they? Mm, there's something else that I'd say is politically gone out the window. Would you think so? <laughs> you, couldn't, so. you couldn't put a chilly willy into the fridge now. The, you wouldn't know what had happened, so you wouldn't. Yes, chilly willies. They were orange ice pops, I think they were, if, if my memory serves me me right. I also have to say, I used to love going into a shop and uh, the shopkeeper cutting a wafer for you. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, with, the, yeah. with the two wafers and cutting it, you could get a small half-sized mm. one or a full-sized one as well. I love that. My dad, I remember, actually used to have to shop in Navin and he was one of the first shops to get Raspberry Ripple. Before that, you could only get vanilla. Okay. And, and like that, he used to cut them up or whatever. But um, one chap bought home uh, some raspberry vanilla to his wife and she yes. sent it back. She thought my father had cut his <laughs> had cut his finger and bled into oh, it. No, she'd yeah. never seen the ripple effect never in the ice cream the before. No, never. Never. It just shows you, doesn't it? But now look at all the flavours. Well, there's another bar that couldn't be sold now. Um yeah, it's just come into us. Yes, I remember. We can't say the word. You see it there come in on the text there. It's a bar and it sounds like brawly, a brawly bar. Oh, you yes, know what we're talking yeah. about. And they were but, lovely. Yeah, they were lovely. They were lovely as well. Sounds like, do you remember the, it sounds like brawly, but it, it's not, a, and it's rightly so. In that case there, yeah. you that is, was totally wrong. I don't know where that ever came from, but I know what you're talking about. I don't know where, about. even where the name came from in the, st- the first place. Yeah, it, it, it was just a, pure ice cream. It was a, just pure ice cream in, in, a, in, a, in a foil wrapper, I think it w- was as well. I have to say, um, there are some ice creams are a no with me as well. An iceberger, never ever. A feast, iceberg. you mentioned the yeah, feast. I like couldn't feasts. take it, not at all. And I didn't like the super split. 
that was the ice cream surrounded by the orange ice. You oh, know yeah, the super yeah, split. I like them. Yeah. That's the campaign has started. Bring back the fat frogs, hey. says a listener. <laughs> we're actually with you on that one. There. What would you bring back of our, when we're talking about ice creams of yesterday? Push up ice cream. There was one that you pushed. Yes, up. the push pop. Was that what it's called? It was ice. No, it was no. ice cream. Was it? Yeah. I, I remember well, the ice ones. Up. In, from the bottom. Okay, what was that one, folks? That wasn't a Tangle Twister. No, no it wasn't Tangle Twister. wasn't that one at all. If you remember ice creams of yesterday and would like to remind us of them, ones you loved as well, we're delighted to hear from you. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Let's bring a gentleman into the conversation because this man knows all about ices, ice creams, because he's been involved in the business all his life. He's not now, but he would be known from Railway Street in Navin for his 20p ice cream cone special from the Food Basket in Commons Road and his family are involved today with Scoopalicious just off Trimgate Street in Navin. Brendan Crosby, hello. Good afternoon to you, Jerry. Thank you for having me on the show today. Not at all. You're listening to us nathering on there about the ice creams of yesterday. What was your favourite from the fridge? Come on, Brendan. Well, well you mentioned a word that can't be mentioned, the, the Chilli Willy and uh, the push-up uh, ice cream as well. They were very much a favourite of mine. Um, always liked them. And again, as Louise mentioned, they... they the uh, the wafer the, when you went into the shop and they cut the, the wafer for you and put the two biscuits on it they were all very popular going back in my day as a child growing up yeah great, great memories of it now you know you, you were involved in the whipped ice cream as well and, and, and your 20p specials tell us about those I believe they used to be queues down railway street after school well in fact Jerry, m- my first venture into ice cream was actually before railway street was uh the jet filling station on the Kingscourt Road, now known as Circle K. Yeah. It's, I, I don't like to admit it, it's 40 years ago. So that was my first time into ice cream. And then my wife and myself moved into Railway Street and we started off, we had an ice cream machine there, it was a, a plain flavour uh, vanilla ice cream. And it was so popular we ended up having a mixed machine which you could do strawberry, vanilla or mixed. We put chocolate hundreds and thousands on the cones, first ever to do it. Chocolate would melt or would harden on the cone and... Um, we then did a lunchtime or an after-school special, 20 pence, and uh, there would be queues. Um, in fact, I kept a diary of all the ice creams we sold, and we actually sold 900 nod one day uh, going back from the kids coming in after school. And uh, we got a name from there, and then we went on up to um, the, the Commons Road to the food basket, and again, we continued on with the chocolate and, and hundreds and thousands. <laughs> and, today, and today, this time last year, we opened Scoopalicious on Preston Place, it's ran by my younger son, uh, Owen, uh, but helped by his brother, Kieran, who has autism, my wife, and part of the team is Jack, Megan and Alison. So, and uh, we're just there beside, when we say, McDonald's on Preston Place, and we serve all sorts of ice creams. We don't sell stick ice cream, but we sell gelato, whipped ice cream, uh, bubble waffles, crepes, uh, churros, you name it, we sell it. We love to see customers coming in, mixing and matching, coming up with their own dreams, we try to make ice cream an experience when they come into the store. Uh, we love feedback. We love to listen to the customer, hear what they want. We don't have it, we get it. Uh, we have ice cream for vegans, gluten-free. We have sorbets. We, we have, we have a, a big range of ice cream yes. available. Yeah, my God, when you mention all those there, I'm actually salivating here, thinking about them, all the different combinations that there are today. And combinations that people saw on holidays and have come back to Ireland and are served beautifully, as you said, by your family today. They're flying into us here. Do you remember some of these, Brendan? My all-time favourite night ice pop is the Tangle Twister, Jerry. And I- I'm not a lover of chocolate on a nice pop. What's your take on that? Do you like the chocolate next to the ice or not, Brendan? 
I, I do indeed, actually. I, I like the, the chocolate magnum. Um, I like the, the idea of the chocolate. And even again, going back to the whipped cone, the dipping of the cone into, into the, the hot chocolate and it's getting hard on it. It's a very, very popular thing. And uh, we find that some of our the older generation who were the young generation we had the food baskets are coming in and they're saying oh do you still do that dip the chocolate in so people do like the, the hot chocolate that, that gets hard on the on your whipped cone and I for myself too I like it now I think it's, it's, it makes the ice cream for you it, it gives you that extra bite on, on your cone or on any on any product as a case. Yeah, there you go. And I, I yeah, actually when you when you put it on on the ice cream and I get when it solidifies and that it's simply beautiful. What about this one I never heard of. Louise, did you ever hear of that? A funny bunny. A I funny bunny. No, I never heard of no, a funny never bunny. Never heard of that one ever. Well, there's somebody who says that they <laughs> love love funny bunnies. They well, you never know what you hear on late lunch of an afternoon. Magnums, yes, I see people there. They absolutely love them. Who remembers the Patsy Pop? You know the Patsy Pop? Yes. You remember that, Brendan? Yeah, I do. I don't, you know. Yeah, we had Pat definitely this neck of the woods. You must see we're a foreign country over there when we couldn't travel (laughs) or atten from the East Coast to anyway inland over into the Royal County. Yes, I remember that that they're talking about there. A Patsy Pop. um, Absolutely lovely. was an orange ice pop. I think with chocolate as well on the top of it as well. The messages are flying in here as we speak. Today, Brendan, when you you think of all that's available, you mentioned the, the hundreds and thousands. I went to Florida once right and I wanted we wanted hundreds and thousands Louise on the ice creams for the children in one of the parks Brendan right and I said to this girl could you put hundreds and thousands on that for me please and I can still see the young one looking at me Brendan saying you want what (laughs) and I said hundreds and thousands and she looked at the one beside her and she says this guy I don't know what he's on about hundreds (laughs) and thousands I said that stuff there I pointed down to it oh she says you mean rainbow they call it rainbow in the States rainbow right and thousands they didn't know what the hell the dollar was uh, dropped out of outer space and what I was looking for on the ice cream the whipped cone though the whipped ice cream is still is so popular Brendan it is yeah it's, it's, it, it, get, it has very popular with, with all generations and um, you know again you can get a small a medium a large which are flake which are toppings toppings again can be Oreo bits chocolate bits Smarties hundreds and thousands as you mentioned hot chocolates you can get Kinder Bueno chocolates you can get you name it there's a variety but so and even your whipped your whipped cone or your whipped ice cream is used then in desserts um twists scrupulicious twists it's, it's used in desserts it's used in, you know so whipped ice cream is not just on a cone now it's used again in a lot of other lines of of ice cream products mm, the dracula anyone remember the dracula louise I remember Brenda, the dracula. do you remember the dracula yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was i think it was done by dale farm i don't think it was a hp ice cream i think it was either dale farm uh, that did that one i do remember it yeah mm, the sky ice bar what about that one the sky I don't ice remember bar that. no that's a that new was one. another that was another dale farm was it I can remember. it was yeah well i don't think it was an hp Brand. I think it was a Dale Farm ice cream. Oh, Hester loves her wibbly wobbly wonder. Good on you, Hester. Louise loves the wibbly wobbly wonder yeah. too, don't you? Yes, love you them. do indeed. But there were so many. The Maxi Twist tub. I still love the Maxi they Twist still tub. Do them. Oh yes, Brendan, come in here. The Maxi Twist tub. They're still doing them. They, they are available. They are available in in your supermarkets. Yes. But the, the equivalent of that today would be your tub. dessert. Or, you, you know what I mean, somebody comes in and they want to get a strawberry twist or they want to get a strawberry dessert or a chocolate dessert. So 
So it's, it's the equivalent, except that it's made there with, with gelato ice cream or whipped ice cream in front of the customer with then the customer's choice of sauces, toppings, hundreds of thousands, again, going back to it. So it's a mix and match. And again, the customer's decision, to whatever they would like in their ice cream. Mm. And again, it's great when the customer walks into Scoop Delicious and asks the question, can you do this? And of course, we can do whatever the customer wants. Whatever you it. want, they can the do cost- it there. The- the customer is king. <laughs> Always. Milky Moose. Anyone help me oh, with a yeah, Milky Moose? Anyone remember that one? What yeah. was that like, Louise? What was it's, a Milky Moose? It's kind of just like an or- a small, um, a small uh, kind of a nice uh, lolly, but it was kind of milky flavoured. Yes. It's white and milky flavoured. Nice. Mm. Nice. It sounds nice. Solero, somebody else says that. Oh, yes. Calypso. The Solero, the Calypso. Uh, uh, this one, the Mr. Freeze. Brendan, you must have, yes. they must have walked out of the fridge, the Mr. Freeze. So they were the cheapest in the shop, weren't they? The biggest problem with the Mr. Freeze was was trying to keep them in the freezers. <laughs> I have them, have enough of them frozen because... Yes. In fact, when we were in the food basket, we were beside the swimming pool. And it was something that the kids all came in after uh, the swimming classes and they all wanted the Mr. Freeze. And uh, they were, yes, they were very, very popular going back yeah. in the days. Again, I suppose today, the slush puppy and, 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 and has taken over from the yes. Mr. Freeze. Yes, so it, indeed they know. have, but you couldn't it, keep them as right. I'm just wondering, Brendan, you know, because everybody and all the kids love the Quinder Bueno and, you know, the ice cream as such, there isn't that that much of a, a range of stick lollies as there used to be, is there? A lot of this, I suppose, like we ourselves don't sell the stick lollies. Mm. So the stick lollies have more gone now for the convenience store, the supermarket. Mm. You know, the take-home box with six in a box rather than, I suppose, years ago yes. when they came in. So, I, But I suppose the whole um, ice cream industry has changed. As I said, when I started 40 odd years ago, it was simply a cone and your stick ice cream. Mm. Now, it's a complete reverse. It's your cone, your all your other whipped and gelato ice cream, and now your stick ice cream in the background. So that's I suppose people now are looking for luxury. They're looking for say a dessert. They're out for an, for an evening. They get their, their their hot food and decide now let's get a dessert on the way home or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So I suppose the the trends have changed now from the stick to the more deluxe type ice cream. If I may say. Yeah, it certainly has. But what great memories. They're flooding into us. Your ice creams of yesteryear, the ones you love. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Keep them coming to us. The Hiawatha. There you are. Remember the Cowboys and Indians. Brendan, you're great to join us. Wish you well. Thanks uh, for uh, being with us on Late Lunch today. Thanks, Jerry and Louise. Appreciate it. Not at all. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Brendan Crosby there, whose family uh, have the beautiful Scoopalicious uh, just off Trimgate Street in Navin. Keep your messages coming to us. We're heading for a short break and we're back with your comedy on Friday. We love to give you a laugh, especially on Fridays on Late Lunch. Here's Michael McIntyre and his wife is getting ready for a big night out. I marvel at all of you women and what you go through on a big night out, planning in advance, booking blow dries. She goes off for a blow dry. She comes back completely unrecognisable. It's huge, big hair. Get the nails done. The tanning, lots of tanning going on. Not all of you are very good at it. I don't want to be mean. But you have to tan your entire body. That's an essential part of trying to convince people you've been abroad. Some people sort of leave their feet. You need to tan all the way over the feet. And people come up to them going, Oh, you look well. You've been away somewhere nice? In your socks? But the spray tan is good. That actually works quite well. My wife's had some spray tans. It's, it's a very odd process, though. They spray her like a very dark mahogany. A, sort of a colour that no human being has ever been, right? 
And then she has to wait like 24 hours, and then you wash off the mahogany, and then she's a beautiful golden brown colour. But this 24 hour period, well, it's difficult. It's difficult for the whole family. Because she stinks as well. She's a little stinking mahogany blow dried woman walking around. The children don't know who it is. Daddy, who that stinky dark lady down there? That's your mother. That's not mummy. I don't like that lady. She smells. Dark lady smells. Mahogany mummy, I don't like her. Please, I don't want her to read me story. Also, it's not terrible because it comes off in like, she'll stain, she'll touch soft furnishings and clothing and literally leave brown stains on them. And it has, it's led to literally the most distressing mornings of my entire life. You know when you wake up in the morning and you haven't yet adjusted to the day? I sort of look over and... <gasps> she shut the bed. If I'm honest, that's probably not the first thing I think. The first thing I do is confirm it's not me. Okay. There's none on my side. Darling, wake up. Look at me. I'm just going to come straight out with this because it's bad. Okay? You're very sick. You're a very sick woman. I'm so sorry. We can't go out tonight. You've done a shit in your sleep. It's everywhere. It's even under your face. I'm not even sure that how that's happened. The children are coming in. But of course, then she washes it off, and she's a beautiful golden brown, you know, to go with the blow-dry pow, and the nails, da! That's before she's even got dressed yet. Women getting dressed, it's an extraordinary procedure. Everything, she needs privacy. Lots of privacy, I'm getting ready now, just leave me alone. But of course, men never want to leave women alone when they're getting dressed. When there's some kind of nakedness involved, we will always be lingering, lurking. It's the privilege of every husband and boyfriend. I'm always lurking, you know, when my wife's getting dressed. Can you just piss off? I'm getting dressed. I'm not looking, I'm just, I'm not, I'm just... What pants are you wearing? Just piss off! Because <laughs> it's fun, it's fun to watch a girl getting dressed. Not all of it, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. There are aspects of a woman getting dressed that have decidedly mixed results. <laughs> Tights, for example, is a very 50-50 affair. The first half is quite, I would say, almost erotic, a very enjoyable spectator sport. The lower leg, let's focus on the lower leg for now. Sort of pointed toe, delicately scrunch up the tight, glide it neatly over the lower leg. Lovely. Glide it over the other one. Marvellous. But once the tights reach the halfway point... <laughs> this is why I suggest you leave the room, OK? Because some shit goes on after that. Yeah, Mr. Michael McIntyre, what an observer of life. Ring a bell, boys. Touch a button, ladies. Ah, he's a brilliant, brilliant comedian. Louise, they're flying into us still. We've certainly touched a nerve with the uh, ice lollies and ice pops from the fridge today. Fruit pastilles, Jerry, you never mentioned. They're still available. The fruit pastille is gorgeous. I never tasted one of them. Oh, it's a push-up, like a push-up mm. pop. It's absolutely gorgeous. What about the brunch, Jerry? The standard. Do you like a brunch? You know what the... Yeah. With the love brunch. Oh, I love brunch. Mm. Now, that's the one. There's pink ice cream in it, isn't there? There yeah. is. That's my exception. That. I love the brunch. Oh. I do love the brunch. And it's still... Snickers ice cream. Do they still make Snickers? I think so. 
Uh, yeah, that was nice. I'd say they do. I'd say they do. That's for sure. And all the the bars, the Mars, and all of them, they're in there somewhere too. It's uh, so interesting to look at people's different taste when it comes to ice cream and it's going to be enjoyed a lot of it over the coming days. Now my next guest on Late Lunch is a journalist of over three decades standing and he has a particular interest in history too and his first book is fantastic may I say. It's called Rebels to Reels, a biography of combat cameraman Daniel A. McGovern who hails from Carrick Macross. I'm delighted to say hello on Late Lunch this afternoon to Joe McCabe. Hi Joe. Hello, Jerry. How are you? Thanks very much for having me on. Not at all. Congratulations on the book. It's a fantastic work you have put. It's quite obvious, so much time and dedication into this. You've done this man real justice. Tell our listeners about this fella. He was born in Carrick. No, funny enough, was he? he was born in Monaghan Town. Okay. He was born just prior to very turbulent times in Ireland, just prior to the War of Independence. And the circumstances are that his father was uh, an RIC, Royal Irish Constabulary, policeman. And he was born in Monaghan Town in, the, in what was the RIC barracks down there. And then when Dan was about, Dan McGovern was speaking about here, the subject of my book, when he was about, uh, I think a year and a half or thereabouts, the family moved to, uh, I think it was up to, yeah, sorry, he was moved to Corinthigo up on the border there with Armagh in South, in South Ma- in Monaghan, and then he was moved to Enniskeen, Patrick Kavanagh country, of course. He would have moved in the same circles as a boy as Patrick Kavanagh. This is Dan I'm, I'm talking about here. Yes. And then eventually, uh, around 1915 or thereabouts, 15 more or less, he, he moved into Carrick Macross, and that's where he, he began to, to, to really see his very first, I suppose, uh, very historical uh, uh, events occur and unfold there, and that was, of course, the build-up and the subsequent uh, Irish War of Independence. And his dad was a member of the RIC. You talk about him moving round there. He was stationed in different places, and of course, yeah. when uh, 1922 and that came in, well, members of the RIC were persona non grata. And this man, the subject of your book, Dan McGovern himself, he was mm-hmm. old enough to remember those times. He recounted those to you when you met him later in he, life. He he certainly did. I couldn't believe it because number one, I have a great interest. As anybody that knows me knows this, I have a great interest in history. And great interest particularly in, in, in the Second World War anything to do with that genre of that I've I followed it all my life and I got a phone call one day from Marita Hughes who was our then one of our then town librarians in Carrie Cross and she said the man down here you simply must meet he's an American gentleman but he says he was he was rare in this town and of course that was music to my ears and I, I went down and I, I subsequently met Lieutenant Colonel Daniel A. McGovern of the United States Air Force Retired, and at that stage he was about—I think he was—I think he was about eighty-six or seven at that particular uh, time. But he was a very, very tall, remarkably tall gentleman. He was—he was six foot five tall. Now his father before him was six foot four. You know, mm. so he was a very imposing man, and he, of course, immediately when I saw him, I knew his hands neatly tucked behind his back. You could just see the military bearing about him yes. straight away. Yes, and I'm looking at his picture here on the book, and can I say mm. this about him? He looks, you know, the word debonair. He has the yeah. look of a hero, hasn't he? Well, you see, the, 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 the irony of it is that not many people know much about Tan McGovern, and certainly I had never heard of him until I met him. And yet here was an individual 
that had witnessed and only witnessed uh, historical events in Ireland and all around the world in the 20th century. But he'd filmed all these things, not, not the War of Independence, I stress, but later on in later life, he'd filmed all these, these amazing events in the Second World War, particularly, and afterwards, for, for as he called it, for posterity. It was mm. very important to him that these things were recorded. And I often got the impression that he often regretted that the, if what he had experienced in, 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 uh, in Ireland and Carrie Macross and that, that that couldn't have been more filmed a bit better. It was, of course, up around Balbriggan after, after some of your listeners there in Balbriggan will be well aware of the sack of Balbriggan by the back and tans and that. That is on film, and I'm sure that McGovern has, had, had, has seen, had seen that. It may well have been his inspiration, maybe, but he, the family eventually went to America after 1922. But Dan McGovern's father was a very, you know, a very nice man. He was from everything I've read about him and know about him. He was a very decent man, very well got in the in the in the locality here. Mm. And you see, you must remember, and this one must remember that the RIC at the time, the, the boycott of the RIC plus the military campaign of the IRA, all orchestrated under the, uh, the, the auspices of the Irish Republic, the, the, you know, the, 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 the Republican government, which ran parallel the British rule in Ireland at the time. That all, that, that all was, was occurring at the time. And the, 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 the boycott of the, of, the, of the RIC made it very difficult for people like Dan McGovern. As a boy, for example, when he was in town here in Carrick Macross going to school and stuff, he described to me what that was like. He was guest out to get picked on and different things. Yes. It was very interesting because I very rarely remember that we get to hear any of these stories or I suppose to read them in many cases from what we would call maybe the other side yes. of the conflict, yes. if you understand. Now, just to move this on, his family had to emigrate. They went to the States and ultimately this man, Dan McGovern, joined the US forces, the Air yeah. Force. Can I just qualify something first? As I said, Dan McGovern's father was extremely well well got in the, in the locality. He was never really threatened in the whole course of the, the War of Independence, although he was involved in what what was the the attack on Carrick Macross Barracks, which when I was growing up, I always thought it was a bit of a skirmish, you know, the, the IRA attack on the barracks mm. and the RIC and the Black and Tans were in there at the time. But it was far from that. It was a fully fledged battle that took place over, over, a, over a night in April 1921. But um, Dan McGovern's father, there was when there was two reasons I think why they had to go to America. The first was that he was at the time what was called an acting head constable, which was a senior rank. And the other thing was there was some flare up in Carrick Macross Barracks, and around the days of the handover. Uh, of course, the Free State came into existence on the 6th of memory serves right, the 6th of December 1922. But before that, the barracks was handed over. There was some flare up in the barracks. I never got to the bottom of it exactly. But I often think that either the reason that Dan McGovern's father was an acting head constable or something arising from that flare up between the IRA and the RIC in there. Now, I mean, if, when I mean a flare up, it was only a variable thing across tables. Something happened that the, that the family were compelled then to emigrate to the United States. They had six months to leave Ireland. Mm. Dan McGovern then goes on. He gets an interest in cameras. He gets an interest in photography. And he gets an interest in the military. Subsequently joins the United States Army Air Corps, as it was initially in the 20s and 30s. Subsequently, that became the United States Army Air Forces. And that evolved eventually <clears throat> into what was... Excuse me. Into what was the the United States Air, Air Force, the 
the um, 75th anniversary of which occurs also this year in, in 2022 in, relation, in addition to the Free State 100th anniversary. Mm. So that's how they come to be in America. And Dan became, <clears throat> he joined the Air Corps. Uh, he, he <clears throat> excuse me, he witnessed the sort of transition of the American Air Force power as we as he saw it then, right through from you know the 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 30s right through to to when he retired eventually in 1961. But he became yes. a substantial cameraman, and I'm sure you're going to ask me a little bit. Yeah, more yeah, about no, how he, he 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 cameraman is right, and he actually was on board planes in World War Two, mm. filming the battles. Mm. Imagine putting your life on the line. You know, mm-hmm. never mind the pilots and and co-pilots, but he's in there filming this. He was, but the more important just to mention before that, I'm not giving anything away here, this is on the very back cover of the book. He was so good at what he did that he became a designated cameraman and photographer to none other than President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Mm, and you only, you've got to be the best at your craft to get that particular position. Yes. But Dan McGovern from, from Bournemouth County, Monaghan, a very, very proud Irishman, may I say, very proud Irishman, a very proud Monaghan man all his life. He was he was the he was the president, the photographer, cameraman, and then something more important happened because America entered World War Two after Pearl Harbor. Yes, the Air, United States Army Air Forces decided that they wanted to have they needed their own footage and combat camera crews for all the various air forces as it was then. There was numerous air forces to various parts of the world to deploy the various parts of the world. They needed the, these people to film the wars that unfolded for them, so they needed the best. And they started to look around, and Dan McGovern's name was at the top of the list. And him and f- four other cameramen from around, from, from around across the United States converged on Hollywood at the end of 1942 at what was the Hal Roach Studios. Now, this is nothing to do with our own Hal Roach. This is Hal Roach, mm. the famous uh, studio mogul that that was responsible for Laurel and Hardy and Harold Lloyd and all yes. that. That these are the studios we're talking about. It was established there during the war, it became known as Fort Roach. And established there during the war was the first motion picture unit. And they they produced all the documentary films and all the the the, the, the training films and indeed some propaganda films, that sort of thing for the war effort. But part of that, a little bit later on from the foundation of that was the foundation of the combat camera school there uh, for the first cameraman of the United States Army Air Forces to go to war. And it was Dan McGovern from Monaghan that set up that yes. school and trained the very first com- ca- cameraman there. Mm. And I, I've been researching this for years. I'm confident that I think it's the first time that the full story of how those cameramen were trained is in, is in Rebel Surreals. Yes, and I, I think it's important to recognise the contribution. Oh, that, that a, absolutely, McGovern was very, very particular about that. He, yeah. it was a major yeah. point with him always. The, the other thing is, hey, as part of his life story, and people can read it in the book, he was one of the first into um, Hiroshima. Uh, he was one of the first into Japan. Um, he was just to back up a little bit when he was flying his missions. Um, he, he he flew. He, he, his, one of his main jobs was to film combat footage for a film called The Memphis Bell, a story of a, the flying for, of a flying fortress. Now, some people might have heard that name before. That's because it was a movie made in 1990 about the Memphis Bell, the story of a B-17 on its last mission. But that was based on on the documentary directed by Hollywood director William Wyler. 
And Dan McGovern filled footage for that, and his footage is in there. I know, I, I know what's his, more or less, in that particular mm. production. That was groundbreaking at the time. But after that, then, McGovern's gets, he's involved in two crash landings. He has to recuperate. He does that back in America. And then he's sent out to the Pacific Theatre of War. And he subsequently uh, was one of the very first Americans into Japan at the end of the war, after the atomic bombs were dropped. And he was one of the first group of, of, of Western, Westerners into Nagasaki. Nagasaki, yes, yeah, sorry, Nagasaki. Weeks after yeah. the bomb went yes. off in Nagasaki. And that was with a group of, of um, American correspondents. And he was in there, and his, he, was the, he was among the... He was, it's his footage, it, 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 much of what we see today is his footage, and nearly all of it is his footage. The colour stuff, you see the colour footage that, 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 was established, that, that was taken, that we have on YouTube and all over the place, and we've seen it in numerous documentaries. That's all Dan McGovern's footage. Mm. There are other black and white... Uh, there's other black and white footage as well. He came across Japanese filmmakers at the time, and they were filming um, simultaneously. They had actually started filming before the war had ended for propaganda purposes. But the very day they started to, uh, to film was the day that Emperor Hirohito famously addressed the Japanese nation for the first time on radio. It was never done before. Mm. And there, so therefore, they, were, they, were there, they, had, they, they didn't know what way they were going to turn. McGovern came across him and he said, right, you have all this footage already filmed. You're now working for me. Mm. And the result of that was a film directed by McGovern called Effects of the Atomic Bomb in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mm. And that is, to this day, the definitive account of what atomic warfare really looks like. Of course, the way it's never happened before or since. Thank God. But, but mm. it's thank God. But it's but it's a very very important. Oh, it's uh, a seminal work, so it is. And yeah. and and beyond that, because time is going to be as I just want to mention, yeah. he was um, involved in the atolls when the nuclear test took place there, mm. the USA, yeah. and the Roswell incident in New Mexico, where a UFO is believed yeah. to have yeah. crash landed. He was there and filmed that, wasn't he? When he was well, well, well it's it's that that aspect of it. He was certainly out. He was filming the atomic tests after the mm. war, but I, I, during this during this time when all this was going on after the war, the footage that McGovern had filmed in Japan was all classified by the U.S. government. He was mad about that because he wanted everybody to see it. He was yes. trying to get films made of it so it could be seen in film theaters, and the U.S. authorities. They suppressed all that that amazing footage. McGovern was always quite annoyed about that, but he watched it very carefully and he took steps to make sure that, that it would be so, it would always be available. You know, yes. Let's put it that way. And those steps that he took are all in the book, Rebel Spears, of what happened, how he did it, and how that footage that he took is all there for posterity today. But yes, he filmed afterwards the the the, the, the bikini atoll. And he filmed, this is the test. We've seen these tests in the 50s, 60s, right up to the 90s, I think, mm. they were testing there. Mm. And then the Roswell incident is interesting because it's a bit intriguing as well because <clears throat> he told me various things about it and he says various things about it <clears throat> and um, uh, he told me he was in Roswell when this happened and I do know that instead of local cameramen being sent out to Roswell to film this thing a cam- camera people were dispatched, US Army Air Force cameramen were dispatched from Washington who was the top man in Washington at the time? Dan McGovern mm. so it ties in 
But yes. what he says about it is intriguing. You know, it, it's just a lead. Leave, leave no, leave it. Oh, their own don't, yeah, that. don't 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 take that away from the book. Anyway, no, no, look, Joe, no. it's it's a wonderful story. You're launching this night week in the workhouse in Carrick Macross at half yeah. past seven. Family yeah. of this man are coming from America and others. Is it by invitation only, Joe? No, it's not at all. Anybody can come along there. I hope we we we'll have enough room to facilitate everybody. But we're going to have a. Dis- I, I've been collecting an awful lot of the cameras and things that McGovern news ever since I met him. Mm. Such was the, the impact the man had on me. I thought I was just really intrigued. So there'll be a collection, there'll be a, a, an exhibition of the types of cameras McGovern used and the the the, 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 the wartime um, United States Army Air Corps equipment and uniforms that that McGovern would have been familiar with will be on display as well. Great. And uh, just to have your listeners as well, very very quickly, before the Americans went to to before the, the McGoverns went to America, they spent three days in Black Rock County Loud for a little bit of a holiday before they went away there. And the black and tans that was in it was in Dundalk and Drogheda and and Carrick Macross and all these other towns. When they withdrew, when they withdrew prior to the foundation of the Free State, it was the Gormanstown camp they withdrew to most of them mm. at the time because they had been trained there. So I just thought I'd throw that in there. Oh yes, the it's it's a big local connection as well in the northeast. You've done a yeah. wonderful job. Your passion comes through clearly in the book as well. Congratulations on it and yeah. best wishes for the launch this night week. The workhouse yeah. in Carrick Macross at half past seven. Everybody welcome. Joe, lovely yeah. to talk to you today. Thanks very much for having me, Jerry. Not at all. Take care of yourself. That's Joe McCabe there, and the book is called Rebels to Reels. I'd love to give one of you a nice gift this afternoon from us on Late Lunch here on LMFM Radio. And how will I do it? Oh, I do it every Friday, don't I? By playing a TV theme. Here it is for you today. Have a listen. Famous TV programme from the youth of many people. Do you know it, Louise? Loved it. Oh, good on you. Anyway, that TV theme, what show are we talking about? What's the name of the show? 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text with your answers, please, and we'll pick somebody as the winner before the end of the show. Louise, I have an idea before we head to our next song. Um, You know that bar that we will not mention the name of? Yeah. I want to start a campaign to bring it back, but with a new name. I can't understand why they they haven't under yeah, a new yeah, name. Yeah, I, I don't know, because so many people, you see it yourself, so many people have mentioned it today and love yeah. the bar. How Maybe about second one. How about bringing it back as a jolly bar? I like that. Do you like that? Mm. We want the jolly bar brought back. Simplicity in its little foil wrapper, so just creamy, the ice cream. Lovely it was. Let's have the Jolly Bar brought back and in fridges across Ireland. What do you think? We're going to write to them. We're going to send them, will we? We, (laughs) We're going to start a petition with HP to bring back the Jolly Bar to the fridges of Ireland. they listen to you. Well, we're going to give it a go anyway. (laughs) We're going to give it a go. You're good at moving mountains. I'm with you on this one. Louise is the one. We're going to get this request in and let's see what happens. Anyway, coming up shortly on Late Lunch, Chef Tara Walker brings us the second of our summer salads. But before all that, let's enjoy the Rembrandts. And just the way it is, baby, that's the way it's going to be, with the brand new Jolly Bar coming to a fridge (laughs) near you shortly. Watch 
this space. The power of late lunch on LMFM Radio. And back with Chef Tara Walker. And we're on a mission this summer. Yes, it's salad all the way. And it's our second episode. And Tara, the humble Irish potato has been combined with an exotic sausage. So as we mentioned on the first segment, we're going to use, you know, a little bit of international inspiration for our flavours. So last week we did the curried rice and chicken salad and this week we have our potato and chorizo salad. So taking a little bit of inspiration from Spain for this. This is great because I think when people are outside for barbecues and maybe having people around and it's a long enough day, it's great because it's a very filling salad. Now you could obviously have it on on its own. There's a bit of veg there and everything. I think it's nice on the side with maybe some steak or chicken breast, you know, from the grill or whatever. Um, So I'm starting now with some chorizo. Ordinarily, you can just cut your chorizo into sausage type shapes. So if you were to think of a cocktail sausage, let's say, cut your your chorizo down to that size and cut it in half. Pop it onto the grill. It'd be absolutely delicious. What I've done here, though, is I'm going to pop them onto just a frying pan, a dry frying pan here. And I've just cut it into slices and I'm going to crisp it up here on my frying pan. But as I say, if you've got the barbecue going, gorgeous on the barbecue. There's enough fat content in that chorizo there to come out on that pan. I see it coming out from it already on the heat. Absolutely. And I use chorizo a lot. I actually use it a lot nearly as a seasoning rather than an ingredient. And you can check my Instagram. I did a gorgeous little um, chorizo scrambled egg uh, breakfast quesadilla recently for Father's Day. And um, you can see I've done the same with that where we've just started out in a dry pan. And we don't really need any salt and pepper or anything because all of those gorgeous flavours are in there already. Oh, I see it just welling out and coming onto the pan. You can't beat it. And uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful flavour, Spanish flavour that's loved by so many. Now. Absolutely. So I have some lovely new Irish potatoes, which I cooked just before you got here, Jerry. They've just been cooling there. And you can see the skins are coming off there nicely. And they're kind of room temperature now at this stage, which is the ideal time to dress them. So I'm going to get a nice big bowl here and I'm going to make my dressing and then I'm going to toss everything in there. So I have some sour cream and then I have some mayonnaise. So you know your traditional potato salad, which I still love. Look, it's a classic, you know, with your parsley and your finely chopped onion or spring onion and your mayo and your potato that's almost like mashed consistency. Um, But we're just changing things up a little bit here for um, something different. So I'm cutting the mayonnaise with the sour cream. So the sour cream is going to lighten it and give a bit more sharpness, especially because we've got the chorizo in there. I think it's nice to have the sour cream just to balance it out a bit. And then loads of mayonnaise. So we're going half mayo, half sour cream. And then next up, I have some Dijon mustard. Again, for a little bit of sharpness. And can you smell the chorizo in the air there now? I certainly can. (laughs) Isn't it lovely? It's just got that lovely spicy flavour to it. And just sizzling away there. And just give this a good mix around. Lovely. And then we're going to start adding our potatoes in. So the skins are falling off the potatoes. If there's a bit of skin on there, that's just a thin bit. I love it in there. Um, Sometimes I do baby potatoes as well, you know, with the skin definitely on. But these are new potatoes. Balls of flour. Absolutely, which I love. You love the floury potato. Jerry, I just love all potatoes. (laughs) Any potato. There's no potato I don't like. I love carbohydrates, basically. (laughs) Potatoes and good bread. (laughs) 
Uh, the Irish staple for sure. I have to say to you, I, I love both as well. Early in the year, you know, I grow a, a good bit of my own. Uh, the early potatoes are generally a soapy salad potato and I have a real love of those. But I have to say as well, when you see the flowery, the queens are a big variety around here. They're gorgeous too. Yeah, they're absolutely gorgeous. I mean, they're just, I, I think they're fabulous. Like I love doing, even in the winter, doing Hasselback potatoes with a more waxy type variety. And of course, my neighbour... Um, down the road, Ballamacani potatoes have fabulous heritage varieties. You can really play around with those as well. It's just lovely. And you're putting the potatoes in there. You chunk them, say you quartered the potatoes to boil them, and you're leaving them in that quarter size. Are you going to pulverise them? Well, they're, they're kind of, as you said, balls of flour here. So you can see that they're kind of breaking up a little bit. So I've purposely made the dressing first, and I'm putting the potatoes in on top of the dressing, because by the time I fold it through, they'll have broken up into bite-sized pieces. Uh, funny you just mentioned it. I made uh, a potato salad at home at the weekend and uh, my daughter, Sarah, with my own potatoes and the traditional way, as you say, the mayo, uh, the spring onion and the little bit of parsley. And she said to me, Dad, what is that? And, you know, she would have tasted, say, commercial potato salads before, but there's nothing like making it yourself. There's just no comparison. There is no comparison. And I mean... Look, sometimes you can go into cafes or delis that do make their own homemade version and they're delicious. But yeah, when you buy the kind of mass-produced, they're not the same. Tara just uh, putting the spuds there in on top of the dressing, which she made up a little bit earlier on there. And here is my chorizo just coming off the pan. It's crisped up nicely. And then I have a little bit of celery just to add a nice bit of crunch to things. And we're just going to... Fold that through sort of gently. And this is a gorgeous big side salad. And as I say, it's great for those barbecues where, you know, I think people tend to eat more when they're outside as well. You know, they tend to be hungrier out in the fresh air. And if you're having a few drinks or you have a long day, it's a great bit of sustenance in here. But like even that by itself with the chorizo in it there, the potatoes, the dressing, uh, the combination with the lovely celery. I I love celery, I have to say as well. And your potato and chorizo salad standalone is beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. I mean, a lovely little lunch, you know, even with a slice of ham or something like that. You know, (laughs) let's go back to the old school. And I'm going to have a little taste now for seasoning. Just make sure I'm happy with the balance of flavours here. Yeah, I am going to leave that alone. Well, actually... For a nod to the old school potato salad, I'm going to pop a little bit of white pepper in. Even though the chorizo obviously has a little bit of pepper in it, but I think it's quite nice having a bit of white pepper. So let me serve you, Jerry. Beautiful. So simple as can be, our second summer salad from Tara Walker, potato and chorizo salad. As Tara says, lovely side dish if you're barbecuing as well, but we're going to taste it standalone today. Full of carbs, which Tara loves. <laughs> have a taste there, Jerry. Thank you so much. Let me have a taste of this. Sure, I'm never disappointed when I'm with Tara Walker. Never, never, never. So here I have the chorizo, potato, the dressing. And of course, I want to get it in there. Lovely little bit of celery. So I have everything here now. Here we go. Oh, that just works, may I say. That's all I'd say to you. It just works. The combination of flavours there. And mind you... That little touch of celery makes all the difference. It actually does, doesn't it? Um, So I used to do that on one of the barbecue classes here that we used to have at the cookery school. And um, it was always a hit because, you know, there's lots of marinades and rich flavours and kind of 
fat, and when I say fat, I don't mean big lumps of fat in the meat, but, you know, rich, fatty flavours um, on barbecues a lot of the time between burgers and steaks and the whole lot. So this just cuts through it really nicely, but also provides a bit of kind of, you know, um, soakage. <laughs> and the dressing, the combination of the mayonnaise and sour cream, it brings it to another dimension as well, doesn't it? It does. And I think the sour cream just cuts through the mayonnaise. And, you know, I am a big fan, as I said already, of the traditional one that just has the mayo. But I think when you've got the chorizo in there, the sour cream is just a nice foil to it. Ireland and Spain combine for potato and chorizo salad. And Tara Walker will remind us where this recipe can be viewed. Yes, so Jerry, you can go to my Instagram page, which is Tara Walker Chef, where I will upload all of the recipes from the series. Well, you know what? Summer wouldn't be summer without a visit to Tara. It's fantastic. Second in the series, done and dusted now. We'll be back again next week on Late Lunch with another summer salad from Tara. For the moment, thank you so much. Great to see you as always, Jerry. The heat warnings are everywhere. I'm just watching the uh, TV screens as I speak here. I see Siobhan Rhinon from Med Air and they're talking about the next few days and how warm it's going to get. Uh, we started the show having fun about ice cream, but it's a serious matter as well for a lot of people, the heat. And for our four-legged friends, yes, our dogs, cats and pets, well, intense heat they're not used to in this country. Sinead Kelly is on the line to have a chat with us. Thanks, Sinead. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Well, Sinead, the temperatures, you know yourself, over the next few days, peaking Tuesday probably, into the 30s perhaps. Let's talk about dogs for a start. Yeah. Um, Walking for a start. If if you walk them twice a day, as you're a great advocate of, do you cut back with this heat? Um, You're best to walk them before it gets hot. So definitely as early as possible in the morning and as late in the evening. So definitely avoid anything between kind of 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. And if possible, go, as I say, really early or really late when it's cooled down. And there's normally quite a good rule of thumb because if you think about it, um, the dogs are going to be walking on, say, tarmac or concrete in their bare feet. And so a good test, even if you're going out and it does feel a bit cooler, put your hand on the tarmac or concrete and see can you stick the heat for five seconds. And if you can't, uh, then your dog's pads, you know, could burn and blister, and that does happen. So, as I say, you're, you're, you should be fine if you stick to very early or very late. And as I say, if you're ever in doubt, just do that little test with your hand on the on the hard surfaces and see what it's feeling like. And um, because we do see dogs and they just get blistered, blistered feet because it's just so so hot. So that's mm. that's always a good thing to do. Um, and especially be careful if you have a dog, say of the flat face breeds, uh, they're normally trying to struggle to breathe normally. So in the in the heat, they will be even more bad affected um, and also obviously if your dog maybe has a pre-existing heart condition or breathing condition or if they're very long haired and fluffy so they're just going to heat up much more quickly um, so again with the exercise definitely you know try and do it at the cooler times of the day um, and if you have to do it when it is a little bit warmer then definitely go for shorter and try and avoid them having to do too much crazy stuff that would be the best thing to do Good advice there now hydration it goes without saying we need to keep plenty of water available for, for them around your home or their normal domestic environment what about shade in the heat of the day I watch Messi he's clever he moves in under the big brolly outside clear used to always do that in the, as we were sitting in the garden so yeah just make sure again if your dog is outside during the day when you're at work um, then unfortunately some people tie their dogs up I mean that's really not a good idea um, but obviously if you have your dog hopefully that they have access free access to the garden 
you know, it might be depending on the layout of your garden, maybe you don't have any natural shade. So if you don't have any natural shade, then you are going to have to try and, you know, provide something, whether it's a shed or the garage, or even you might have to rig up some kind of tent or something. If you have a look, actually, a lot of the kids for their playtimes and everything in the sun, they have these little kind of pop-up tents and dens and things like that. So literally, you have a look at your garden and see, you know, is there going to be a time in the day, depending on how, how high the sun is, say maybe at midday, will there be no natural shade from trees or hedges? then you do need to provide it because they will really overheat very quickly. So a good idea is maybe that the dog would have access to a shed or if you've got an old-fashioned dog kennel or something like that. Because as you say, dogs, if they're in their right mind, um, you know, if they have the option and it gets too hot, they will move to the shade. So so definitely good idea to, to make sure you provide some. Yes, very important. Arfla loves to go into the utility room. It's cool in there yeah, and we yeah, leave and it open. Yeah, lie on the floor. Yes, yeah, cold floors. Yeah. On the tiles. What about food if they're not consuming as much as they normally would. You wouldn't get too concerned in warm weather about that, would you? No, so a lot of dogs will go off their food a little bit in the warm weather and cats as well. So um, what I tend to say is, yeah, it could just be that the, the heat is putting them off, but don't kind of write it off and presume that any you know, change in appetite or reduction is due to the heat. So I think if you have no other clinical signs, as in if the dog has no breathing difficulties, you've no vomiting, no diarrhea, everything else looks okay, and your dog is just a bit reluctant to eat, then I would maybe give them 24 hours or so and, and see if there been any change, or do what I would call the chicken test. So, you know, get a nice bit of fresh cooked chicken, uh, will the dog eat that? And most of the time you'll find that dogs that are off their food because they feel so hot, they will want to eat high-value treats. Um, so if you're finding that your dog is off its food and also off treats, um, then don't just presume it's the heat. You're probably better to have a chat with the vet and get them checked out. But certainly most people would report, and I would find myself that, that certainly most dogs in particular would drop their appetite a little bit. One thing that you can do, a lot of people advocate, is you can get some of some little doggy treats that you would have had, like little biscuits or whatever. You can put them in, make ice cubes with them, um, and then or like ice the toys kind of thing and then they have something that they can be kind of chewing on sucking on and it's cooling them down and they're getting water as well so that's quite a good thing to think about you can literally get an ice cube tray put like a few little treats in each one put the water in and then you have kind of iced treats so it's something that if you're doing that I would probably not leave them unsupervised just because maybe you have the risk of choking or anything like that but it's a kind of fun thing to do if you want to cool them down it's quite a good idea Mm. Uh, Freeline friends do the same principles apply? Yeah, definitely. And the problem with cats is is that, um, especially with the long-haired cats, they can get very hot. Um, and cats kind of have a lower capacity, really, for dealing with any kind of breathing difficulties or, or heat stress because they don't pant. So dogs uh, can pant naturally as a way of cooling down because they evaporate moisture from the tongue. Whereas if you ever see a cat panting, you're in big trouble. A cat really only pants when they're having horrendous breathing difficulties. Um, so they really only kind of they sweat a little bit from their pads, and that's about it. So they do find it much harder to cool down. The only good thing is that on the whole, most of the time, cats are not, you know, confined to one little space outside or inside and they, they are able to move. And so normally they're, they're sensible enough to move to the cooler place. But again, if you have inside cats or outside cats, just make sure that there is somewhere that they have access to that they can go and, and be in the shade. Often they'll like cooler floors, so whether it's like laminate or um, just like stone floors or wood. If it's old as carpet, 
and that's harder to cool down on. And often you'll notice your animal will kind of splodge themselves down and kind of lie sprawled out because they're having maximum surface area. And so they, it's just easier to evaporate a little bit of heat and to cool down. So, and again, make sure you've got water, change the water, you know, twice a day so it's nice and fresh and cool. And again, have maybe a few different water bowls around the house. Again, if you have multiple cats and there can be competition for resources, again, make sure you have lots of different water bowls around the house because if they're having a bit of a strop or falling out with each other and if they're a bit crabby, because the heat, they might think, oh, I don't want to go downstairs to the water bowl, I might get into trouble, and then they might not go and drink. So just make sure there's plenty of water sources around for them. Just a question there. Is it a good idea, Sinead, says a listener, to hose down your dog from time to time? Some of them don't like it, don't they not, Sinead? Some of them don't like it, no. Yeah. So I tend not to say, if they like it as a game, yes. And if you ever have a dog that you, you discover is, you know, acutely, you know, um, over hot and is, is showing signs of heat stroke, as well as arranging to get them to vet straight away, you can, you know, put the hose in them just gently. Another thing that's quite good, probably better than hosing them, is you can buy, you can either buy a thing called a chill mat or a cool mat in a lot of the big pet stores that is like a cool bed for them to lie on. The other cheaper way of doing that is just get a towel, a big bath towel, get it in cold water, wring it out, rinse it out and put it on the floor. And often they like to lie on that. And again, it'll cool them down because the, the wetness on the coat will, will force the body temperature to cool down as they're evaporating the moisture. So that's quite a good way of cooling them down, either either a chill pad or a chill bed or just a nice wet towel on the floor with, with the excess moisture kind of wrung out. And that is quite good for helping them to cool down as well. It's quite good. And again, the big thing, I'm sure you're going to mention it anyway, but just never, ever, ever leave your dog in the car or your cat in the car no. in this weather, even with the windows open or in the shade. Um, I read something actually this morning that the temperature of the car can go up by something like 11 degrees in about 10 minutes. Yes. So, uh, you know, you know, it's just, and every year, unfortunately, it happens and people think, oh, it's just a wee minute or, you know, really, they, 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 they just cannot tolerate us. They can't tolerate no. us. So please don't do that. That is the big finale today with Sinead. No, no in the car. Don't leave them in it. Keep them out of it for the uh, coming days especially. Sinead, brilliant as usual. Thank you so much for joining me. You're very welcome. Chat to you soon, Jerry. Take care now. Bye. That's Vet Sinead Kelly there. Terrific sound advice there over the coming days and beyond as long as the weather remains hot this summertime. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. I finish off my week of Madonna after three and David Sheehan looking ahead to the weekend in sport. But taking us up towards top of the hour at three, news, weather and sport. It's a classic from Miss Tracy Chap- Chapman even. Stay with us on your Late Lunch. Don't you know we're talking about a revolution sounds Let's reprise our TV theme. Not Minder, not The Odd Couple. Sorry, it's not Countdown either. Or Blue Peter, it is Louise. Grange Hill. You loved it, did you? Yeah. Yeah, And everybody. It was a big, big one, wasn't it? When you'd come in from school, it'd Mm. be on. It ran for years and years, didn't it? Launched a lot of careers, didn't it? Mm, Absolutely. 
I remember one guy went on, I can't think of his name, is it Todd Carty? He yeah. was in it and he went on to play um, a right. part in EastEnders he for did years, indeed, didn't he? For years and years, but Grange Hill, it was new, it was fresh at the time and it was uh, rebellious, I'd have mm. to say, too. And it had a huge following. Emily O'Byrne, who we interviewed on Late Lunch yesterday, the young tennis player, yeah. 15 years of age from Meath, won the under-18 final in Nina in Tipperary today. Oh, well wow. done to her. Congratulations, she's Emily. She's 13 and it's under 18. Yeah, wow. 15 and she's under 18. She's a young girl and she's playing way above her age groups mm. and doing very well indeed. Delighted to hear that. Congratulations to her. We'll be and watching we her in Wimbledon her. Oh, now at the please, strawberries we're in a gonna, few years. We're going to keep an eye on her. We certainly are going to keep an eye on her. That is for sure. Do you like Madonna? I do. Well, she is my artist of the week and our good friend, yes, Magell has been on to say that it's our mammy's birthday and she wants us to wish her a happy birthday uh, from her only daughter, Magella. There you are, because it's all boys, the rest of them all the way. Happy birthday to you. And I'm not going to say much about Madonna's day. All I'm going to say is this is my favourite Madonna song of all time. Enjoy. Madonna, like a prayer on your late lunch. <clears throat> yes, John. John loves the song. So many people do. It's fantastic, isn't it? I want to say a big thank you to Mags Hanrity, who sent me in a beautiful card. <clears throat> Excuse me. A thank you card. Thanks, Mags. Really do appreciate it. Lovely to get a card. I love them. I really do. And delighted you enjoyed the big concert that you won the tickets for on Late Lunch recently. Up next on the show, final break of this week, and David Sheehan joins us then to run the rule over the weekend in sport. I'll say hello again to David Sheehan. Hi, Dave. How are you, Jerry? Thanks for joining me. You're on the Windmill Road tonight. Draw it against Bohemians. I didn't give them a pup's chance last week against Dundalk. I don't know what to say tonight. What's your prediction? Well, I mean, two draws so far this season between the two sides. And both of the games actually quite similar. And so far as Bohemians had the bulk of the play and the possession, but conceded a goal late on against Strata. So, uh, you know, they're not in great form at the moment. Bose, interestingly, they haven't won two games back-to-back all season. They won last week, so they'll be looking to break that trend tonight. But I think Drogheda, they're in, they're in good form. They had a really good win last week. Uh, they've everybody fit. So, um, or well, with, with the exception of one or two dodgy players tonight that might be missing. But I think everyone that they need is out there tonight and they should be uh, in good shape. I'm going to give Drogheda the, the nod to win this one, Jerry. It's probably not too often that they back them to win. <laughs> but I think they're going well at the moment. And uh, yeah, I think they're going to get the win tonight. I think they'll, they'll do it. Drogs fans very happy. Now Dundalk smarting from that second loud derby defeat last week are away to St. Pat's and a testy match it'll be again given the history of Stephen O'Donnell with St. Pat's. Absolutely, yeah. And, and you know, they've met twice this season already. The, the first game was a nil-nil draw up in Richmond Park, which got a huge amount of media attention and the game itself was a bit of a damp squib really. Then Dundalk had a 1-0 win at Oriel Park uh, earlier this season. So, yeah, not much between them. Uh, I saw a pass up close a couple of weeks ago in Strahada. They had a 3-0 win, but that scoreline flattered them a lot, I think. I didn't think they were great. From Dundalk's point of view, obviously, a huge amount is going to come down to whether Pat Hoobin is fit. He came on against Strahada last week, 
It was first appearance in a while. So I presume he will start tonight if he's had a good week's training under his belt. And if he's there, then that gives them a much better chance. And of course, Dara Burns, we know, has left St. Pat's. So key player gone from there as well. But I think it's been close this season. I can see it being maybe a one-all draw tonight as well. Dundalk will be looking to, to kind of settle things down a bit after that defeat last week. Obviously, they'll want to get the win and cut the gap on Rovers who don't play tonight. But I think it's going to be a, maybe a one-all draw up in Richmond Park tonight. Let's move to GAA and the Ladies Senior Championship semi-final tomorrow. Meath up against Donegal. A bit of surprise uh, that Donegal are in the last four, or is it? Yeah, well, they dumped Dublin out last week. I mean, I don't think the result... I don't think Donegal winning was necessarily a massive shock um, for people that follow the game closely. But maybe the margin was. like They were pretty comfortable most of that game, and they won by six, I think it was, in the end. But, you know, they ran me very close in the league final, Donegal, and we know how close Meath and Dublin are in terms of uh, the, the gap between them. There's no gap really at all. So, you know, Donegal would have would have been in with a shout last week, but I'd say most people would have fancied Dublin. So, yeah, Donegal come through. Meath now probably the hottest of hot favourites for the All-Ireland with most people because, you know, they're the, the kind of last big team standing and a few new new teams in there with Kerry and Mayo in the other semi. Going to be a really interesting game. Going to be a tight one. Meath got out of jail a bit last week, having looked like they were going to win reasonably comfortably against Galway. They needed Emma Duggan miracle point that bounced on the bar to go over at the end to get them through it so they did play some of their best football of the season last week in that second half and if they can bring that form to, the, to Crow Park tomorrow and you know one game away from an All-Ireland final one win away from an All-Ireland final two wins away from going back to back I mean if that doesn't get them going nothing will and I back them to, to get the win tomorrow it's going to be tight it's going to be close but I, I think they'll just about get it done Good news on the GA front for the Mead girls and we wish them well. Now the Senior Hurling Championship final is Sunday. Limerick, well they are the team of the moment but if you didn't want to play anyone in an All-Ireland final it'd have to be Kilkenny and Cody. Absolutely, Jerry. And there's an ash dieback problem in Ireland, as we know. And I don't expect the opening 20 minutes or so of this game on Sunday to do anything to help that problem because I think there's going to be skin, hair, hurlies, everything flying. I think Kilkenny are going to absolutely come out of the traps flying on Sunday. They'll need to get stuck into Limerick. They'll want to upset their rhythm, much like they did a couple of years ago or three years ago now in the 2019 semi final. And I think that game, we've mentioned it before on this slot is going to be key in terms of Limerick's motivation because the Kilkenny are kind of the team that they haven't beaten yet in this run that they've had in the last few years where they've been winning All-Irelands. And that defeat probably would say, you know, up, upset their chances of going for a five in a row this weekend as well as we talked about before. So I think Limerick will be hugely motivated. Huge question marks over whether Keane Lynch will be available. There's a suspicion that he won't be, that he's been wearing a boot, that he got a, he got a foot injury earlier in the week. But whether or not he's there... I think Limerick still have enough class in that team. It's going to be a hell of a battle. And as you said, there's one team you didn't want to be playing and one team you didn't want to be facing as underdogs, it's Kilkenny, because Kilkenny are going into this as underdogs and they will absolutely love that. Cody will love it. Um, But I do think if Limerick play to their potential, they will get the job done. They've got so much class and if they can get the balls into Aaron Galan like they did the last day, and that's something that Kilkenny are going to have to try and snuff out those diagonal balls into Aaron Galan where he had a field day against Galway early on the last day. But I think Limerick will get it done by between maybe three and five points. It's going to be an absolute, absolutely titanic struggle, I think, Jerry. I'm really, really looking forward to it. You know, I've got some Limerick roots myself, so I'll be cheering for John Kiley's men. I think they'll get it done and I can't wait for it. Oh, great game in prospect on Sunday. Rugby to finish off. The All Blacks against Ireland won all in the Test Series. This is the decider. New Zealand aren't going to slip up in this one, are they? Well, you know, Jerry, I was just looking at it. They haven't lost con- consecutive test matches on home soil in 24 years. Now, records are there to be broken, as we know, uh, but they will be absolutely smarting from last week. And I had a look during the week at some of the New Zealand newspapers online, and they're getting absolutely crucified. The coaching staff, particularly uh, the players to a lesser extent, 
So they are under massive pressure to come out and deliver tomorrow. And the interesting thing is a lot of people are saying, regardless of what happens tomorrow, this has been a hugely successful tour for Ireland. I'm not necessarily sure I'd agree with that. If Ireland go out and get absolutely hammered tomorrow, then it might put the second test result in a, in a different light. But we'll wait and see. I do think it'll be, it'll be close enough, but I, I'd be a little bit fearful. As we said a couple of weeks ago, when you said to me, you'd be worried about what New Zealand will do to us. I would be a little bit worried that they're going to hit us with a hell of a backlash tomorrow. Uh, I hope not, but I think whatever happens, I think New Zealand will, will, will win tomorrow. Uh, I'm hoping it's not going to be a landslide. I don't think it will be, but I, I think they'll win by maybe seven to 10 and uh, put pay to our hopes of winning that series over there. But as you know, as I said, there's still been a lot of pluses to come out of it. And if they can stay competitive tomorrow and, and stay in it, who knows what might happen. But I think the All Blacks will get the job done. Yes, I fear for them. The little white ball before we go, the Open Championship is hotting up nicely. One of the rebels, Dustin Johnson, leads the way. Rory's teeing off uh, around about now. He may be on the course already. He had a great round yesterday. Who do you pick? Who do you pick? Come on, David. Yeah, it's, it's a hard one to call. I was actually just watching a bit of it before you before you rang me and poor Tiger going down the... Uh, the 18th, probably possibly his last ever appearance mm. at St Andrews, and a little bit a little bit tearful, which I was quite surprised to see as well. He's softened up in his old age, Tiger. Yeah, Johnson leading at the moment. Um, I don't know, Rory. Could he get it done? Could he do it? Mm. Uh, I'd love to see him doing it. Um, you know, Dustin Johnson, obviously fantastic. But if Rory, if Rory has a good round today, we've seen it so many times in recent weeks or in recent years that he's, he starts yes. with a good round and then the, sec, the second round is the one that, that undoes all the good work. So if Rory can hang in there today and maybe pick up two or three shots. Um, I'm going to stick my neck on the line and say Rory McIlroy to win the Open. There you go, there you go. Anyway, what a weekend of sport in prospect. Don't forget the League of Ireland tonight online with David and uh, Adrian and then the big match tomorrow, me and Donegal, the ladies here on LMFM Radio. Until next week, David, thanks a million. Thanks, Jerry. Take care. David Sheehan there, presenter of Sunday Sport, bringing the curtain down on another week of late lunch. Let me say a big thank you to our guests all week. We do appreciate them joining us. To you, our listeners who are with us every day, thanks so much for your company. To Louise Walsh, thanks a million, Louise. Couldn't do it without you. And this was a testing week all round, I have to say. And I really do appreciate everything you do, Louise, with us here on late lunch. Couldn't do it without you, I say again. Eddie Caffrey is coming next on the drive here on LMFM Radio. Stay with us and do come back to join us for a brand new week of late lunch from Monday at 1.30. Take care of yourselves over this lovely weekend. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. It's rare we get such heat. Be careful, but absorb it and enjoy it and have a great time. See you Monday 1.30. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Opal, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Discover the all-new Opal Mocha featuring Opal's iconic new signature visor, stunning Opal Pure Panel and a choice of petrol, diesel or fully electric. The new Opal Mocha is less normal, more Mocha. Visit blackstonemotors.ie Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.